Welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Good morning, everybody. It's a very special morning um, this morning, historically a very special day. Does anybody want to put their hand and hazard a guess what I'm alluring to? Shout it out. Reformation Sunday. I'm, I'm not preaching on the Reformation. I normally do. But I have a, just a, a small thought in my heart that I couldn't shake. And um, I'm asking the Lord just to give me um, the faculty just to, 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 to bring out the, the joy of this word. But anyhow, 1517, 31st of October, and the church door of Wittenberg in Germany, a man called Martin Luther, a Catholic monk who became very disenfranchised with how the religion had fallen away from the scripture and, and become so in, enveloped in politics and money and corruption and, and uh, even false doctrines that come in from other pagan religions had infiltrated its thinking, all because of political ambition on behalf of the overlords of Rome. And he became disenfranchised, and he didn't want to leave the then what was, you would known as the Catholic Church or the Roman Church. He, he wanted to challenge the leadership to, to a, a discussion and, and to go back to the Scripture and, and have a look at w- where things had gone very badly astray. And so he put these 95, they called them the 95 Thesis, and it was basically 90 points, 95 points that he wanted to go into public debate and discussion over the scriptures that he felt that at, at, at the last straw, at the last gasp of trying to reform the Catholic Church at the time, he thought that maybe there was other honest men and women that would be willing to engage on the basis of the scripture. And uh, to do that back in 1517 was, was, was uh, tantamount to signing your debt warrant because Rome at the time didn't didn't uh, look at dissent as being something, democracy wasn't in existence. So the idea of democratic, your rights, human rights, civil rights, really are something that was born out of the 1950s moving forward, particularly the 60s uh, and that era as we have them today. United Nations is relatively a new organization. Before that, it was a League of Nations, and before that, nothing. And so human rights were, were violated all the time through despotic governments, leaderships, uh, uh, and um, churches, and so this was a very brave man. And we owe an awful lot to Martin Luther. Not that Martin Luther, we agree with everything Martin Luther, or the Lutheran Church, but to the fact of his tenacity, his honesty, his, his, his uh, willingness to lay down his life and to lose everything for the sake of truth. Uh, says a lot and speaks a lot of the type of man. So I encourage you as a Christian to have a look at the Reformation, uh, because that, the Reformation was to reform something that would bent away from God, and gone back into human endeavor and religion and all the quagmire of that. So that was a great, and I just do want to acknowledge that because the blood of the martyrs, as Luther himself said, is the fuel of the church. And out of that great movement of the Reformation came the great evangelical witness that is still um, absolutely like a wildfire throughout this world today. Millions upon millions of souls are becoming born again. Millions of souls, friends, around this world. Every day, tens of thousands of people are coming to Christ and that is, in some part, a result of men that were, and women. There was tremendous women in the Reformation as well that literally laid down their life so that you and I could have a Bible. We could read it. We could, we could see what God has to say. And we could enjoy the promises 
and the goodwill of God rather than be filtered through the eyes of politicians and uh, corrupt men. So praise God today. I want to warn you, though, that what happened back then is easily is as easy to happen today for us to fall into error, to fall into darkness, to fall away from God if we don't uphold this word, the word of God, if we don't cherish it, if we don't make it our chief joy. And so can I encourage you, Christian, also to be a diligent studier of the word of God. Amen. So full testimony. I know many churches will be speaking on the Reformation this morning and a wordy topic, of course. Maybe I'll do it another time. I'll do it every year. So I think you're reformed out of it at this stage. But uh, praise God. I have a thought that I couldn't shake. You know, uh, I told Patrick at the start of the service, I said, you don't have to pray for me this morning because he was like Wednesday night. He says, Pastor Nick, it was a tough night. But God really touched him. It was go back and listen to that message, wonderful message. But because, um, uh, you know, the Lord pops these little thoughts in your heart and you're trying to, as a minister, you're trying to find out, is this just for me or is it for everybody? You know, you're in your devotion reading and uh, you're reading and you think, this is a great message. And sometimes it might be just a message for me and I can't tell the difference this morning. So I'm not going to take the risk. I'm going to share just a little short scripture with you and I'm going to try to give you some things maybe to consider, maybe to help you in your Christian journey. Father, as we come around the word of God today, I do pray, Father, I pray for every man and woman, Lord, and our children that were here a moment ago, that, God, your glory will come upon us and visit us today, Father. Lord, in, in a time when they're in a world that is becoming joyless, Lord, in a world that's becoming, Lord, very beige, to say the least, O oh God, and um, without much thrill anymore, without much real sense of anything, God, even the little things that we have, the things we were looking forward to, the coming back to, um, you know, normalities, people see it, Lord, still doesn't bring the joy that you bring. And I pray, God, you will come and fill our hearts with joy today, God, and fill our hearts with singing, Lord, fill our hearts to overflowing. And even though the, the most bankrupt one of us, Lord, would leave full of the joy of the Lord, I pray in Jesus' precious name. And I actually want to speak of that. I want to speak about the joy of the Lord. It's a verse that we would quote all the time. It's from Nehemiah chapter 10 and verse 8. It's a time when Nehemiah's restoring of the walls of Jerusalem uh, the people have been brought back earlier. They brought back to build the temple and then to build the walls. And, uh, you know, they, this verse came on the back of the people being shown how far they had moved from the word of God. The law was read to them again. The law was that sort of reformation. The law was bringing back to show you how, how far you have fallen from God, how great God was. And the response of the people was one really of sorrow because they had seen, you know, they'd seen truly that they were back in their own homeland only because of the goodness of God. They could have never made a 900-mile journey. They could have never got released from the great Babylonian Empire to restore, return to their ancestors' home. All these Jews had never even been born. The ones that came back, they were, they were born in captivity, and they had a promise of the homeland. And so they came back, and no sooner were they back. Eating bread is soon forgotten. We forget so quickly the goodness of God. And uh, they had fallen once again into apathy, and, uh, you know, the Bible talks about the laziness of your spiritual walk, a little folding of the arms, you know, a little, because that laziness, the house decays emotionally and morally and spiritually. And the law was brought out, Ezra read it to them, and it cut them to the heart. It's, 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 it is great that, that we, it's great that you can be to a place in your life where you're not indifferent when God speaks to you. You know, when, when the Word of God comes to you, it's not just so hard of head, it's so hard of heart that you don't listen. And it says something of them that they were able to at least process, yeah, I have fallen so far from God, yet He's been so good to Israel. And the Bible says they started to mourn 
But Nehemiah writes to him and says, or Ezra says to them in the book of Nehemiah, that the joy of the Lord is your strength. And I want to talk a little bit about that this morning, the joy of the Lord being our strength. Uh, this, uh, we used to sing that song, Jesus put this song into my heart. For those of you who are over 100 years old as a Christian, you may remember that one. It's a, joy, a song of joy no one can take away. Jesus put the song into my heart. The scripture is all about songs. Songs come, when the scripture talks about singing, it comes from a joyful singing. You know, they didn't want to sing a, a, the joyful song when they were mourning from the rivers of Babylon. But the, the scriptures is full of singing. It says in Exodus 15, the Lord is my strength and, and my song. Hallelujah. Amen. And, and Psalm 40, verse 3, it said, you put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise. Praise is wonderful name. In Psalm 96, 1, he says, I will sing unto the Lord a new song. For he has done marvelously. His right hand and his only arm has gotten us to victory. Psalm 28, 7 said, with my song I will praise you. Psalm 144, verse 9 says, I will sing a new song. Revelation 5, verse 9, it says, they sang a new song. No man could learn that song. Isn't that interesting? No man could learn it. I mean, we learn so many new songs here in Cork Church. I can't even keep up with them. You know, I, I'm still a traditionalist. I love, you know, actually, some of those songs went back to old songs this morning, and, uh, which was quite cute, different melodies, but the lines were familiar to me. But some people say to me, oh, there's too many new songs. I can't keep up with them. Well, that's the creativity of this generation. Amen. Just enjoy where it is. Learn it. Get into the swing of it. Amen. And, and you'll find the joy of the Lord there. But the song of Revelation talks about, it talks about a song that no man could learn. You can't teach it. Because it's echoed from a deeper place within. It's not your song. It's an echo of the song of the Lord. See, he lives in you and there's an echo of him that comes through every Christian. And I want to maybe talk about more. I'm going to come back to that afterwards. It's not fully in my scripted part of my, my sermon this morning. But I, when I read that in Revelation to, yesterday, I was thinking, wow, you can't learn it. You can't learn yourself into the kingdom. It's not true education, friends. Our intellectual grasp, our superior upbringing, our superior race, should you think you fall into that level of folly. I want to tell you, friends, it is all the same. It's by faith, amen, that something, someone comes in and brings a joy. And out of that joy comes songs of deliverance, friends, songs of praise, songs of thanksgiving. It comes from a well of joy that is inside in us. It talks about the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. Psalm 137, verse 1, I just said at the beginning, when the children were taken by force into Babylon and on their 900-mile journey, thinking of all the ones that had been murdered and killed and raped and burned and starved to death in Jerusalem, the Babylonians in their sarcasm saw them and said, come on, sing us a song. And how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? But I want to tell you, friends, you can sing the Lord's song in a strange land. You can know the Lord in a strange land. You can have a joy unspeakable and full of glory. And I want to stoke that in the minds of you and I this morning and all who are watching from afar off, that there is something, someone so rooted in your life, so there forever, friends, that his song cannot be masked by circumstances. 
It cannot be silenced even by pain of death. Martin Luther, the very same man, when when he said he would take up the challenge of Rome and go to the Diet of Worms and state his case before the council. And they said, Mr. Luther, if you go, they shall surely burn you to death. And he said, they can light a fire from here to Wittenberg, he says, and I will walk through it singing the praises of him who brought me out of darkness into his marvelous light. Hallelujah. There's something. He's not parroting a verse. He is echoing a verse, friends. And we can parrot songs. You know what I mean by parrot. Pretty parrot. You, know, you can teach a parrot. You can teach an, an African parrot 237 words. Sometimes I think all we're doing is parroting. Monkey see, monkey do. Lift my hands, lift my hands. Sit down, sit down, friends. It can't be parroted. It has to come from within. The song has to come from deep within. There's a challenge, friends. There's a challenge to all our songs because there is a joy in the Lord that becomes a strength in adversity. There's a strength in God, friends, that you have and I have. The redeemed of the Lord shall return unto Zion with singing and everlasting joy, hallelujah, shall be upon their heads. I don't know what your circumstances are, and I'm sure there's some here today and you're in calamities. There's, there's major issues. A congregation on this side and sides of others watching on, I know. And if, if it's you today, it's probably me tomorrow. Surely a sparks fly up as men is born to trouble, and trouble is only always around the corner, friends. Nobody has a clean run at this life, friends, but there's something promised. Something has already taken place. Someone has come in, friends, and he is the one that gives us the industry to mine out words for songs. Amen. He's the one that gives us the ability, friends, and the machinery to craft out words and brilliance and and, and, and out creativity that reflects something of his joy. Christendom, the genius of emancipated people, the genius of God's creative spirit that, lasts, that resides in every one of you, friends. You know there's brilliance in you. You know there's genius in you. There is, friends, because He's in you. Hallelujah. There is something about the joy of the Lord. There's something about the indwelling, knowing presence of Almighty God, friends, that when we begin to stoke those fires and remember and recall who it is that now has residency in my life, it begins to thrill our hearts. It begins to lift us up. It begins to make us cry out, Abba, Father. It begins to stir our hearts in the middle of the most deserted places, friends, in the middle of wilderness experiences. We can have a tree that would spring up from the ground and cover us, friends, like an oasis in the desert. What a God we serve. Paul tells the Ephesians in chapter 5, verse 19, he says about speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart unto the Lord. I want to tell you, friends, there's nothing unorthodox about making melody in your heart. There's nothing unorthodox about singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, especially when they're echoed from that Holy Spirit. Amen. When it is the movement of God through the very fiber of beings of our lives. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The songs of deliverance that come from that strength, friends. 
Romans 14 verse 17 says the kingdom of God is not just a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace. And that lovely little word, joy in the Holy Ghost of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, friends. This is a joyful life. This is a life, friends, you, you don't realize that you're full of joy. Now you just have to take the cap off and let some of it out. Amen. It's, it is in a kingdom of joy. It's a kingdom of joy. It's a kingdom of joy that, that I said, releases not just praises, but creativities. Acts 2.28. You have made known to me the paths of life. You fill me with joy in your presence. He's quoting, of course, from the psalmist, in your presence there is fullness of joy. That's Peter's famous preach in Acts chapter 2. Joy is rooted in who God is. Hallelujah. Just think about it. It's rooted in who he is. Knowing him. The more you, go, the no, the more you grow in your understanding of him, the more you grow in your depth of knowing him, and it's not just your intellectual understandings of the Trinity and the, these great long words that we can use of God, his omnipotence, his omnipotence, and all these omnis that are out there. It's knowing him. It's that relating to him through the Holy Spirit. It's that embracing of the life that he's brought into you. And that intimate place where God says, I want you to know me. Let a man not boast in all these other designs of his life, but let him boast in this, that he knows me, has an intimacy with me. You, the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, is with you, but soon he shall be in you. Soon he shall be in you. And that happened all those years ago for us, friends, when Acts chapter 2 happened and the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the world. And when you were born again, the third person of Godhead came in to live in your life and he echoes the joy through you and through me. Psalm 47, once says, clap your hands, all your nations shout to God with cries of joy. 1 Peter 1 verse 8 to 9 says, though you have not seen him, though you do not see him now, you believe in him and you are filled with an inexpressible joy and, which is full of glory. An inexpressible joy. I think I shared a segment of this a number of weeks ago in, in an unrelated message. It was just burning my heart weeks ago and it visited me again today. But I began to think, what is the joy of the Lord? What really is the joy of the Lord? Because it's a beautiful verse. And we can all, and the verses I read will touch most of our hearts because at some stage of our Christian journey, we've read them and it has excited us. It has built our faith. But what is the joy of the Lord? What actually is it? And I begin to think, well, what is it? There's so much joy in life. I mean, I had two, two of the most important people in my life, left and right of me, sitting in the front row. That bring me immense joy. My granddaughter, my grandson, and my other grandchildren. But what is the joy of the Lord? The joy of the Lord, friends. It's not just the joy of nature. It's not the joy, just the joy of fellowship. It's that knowing that regardless of what fellowship is or is not, whether the environment is good or not, friends, whether the day is bright or dark, whether it is dry or raining, whether my health is good or bad, but I have a joy knowing that Christ is in me. I derive a joy in the midst of sometimes the most awful situations. 
I, I've been in terrible situations. I'm sure you have too. Situations that you didn't think you'd make it through mentally or emotionally. Situations you thought would just absolutely break you in two. And friends, and someone could say, oh, well, you know, it's going to be a nice sunny day tomorrow. Oh, you know, you're going on holidays in a week's time. Oh, there's a baby being born to you. Oh, there's a job promotion. Oh, there's a, a new woman in your life or a new guy in your life. And none of it would mean anything, friends. You go through such depths in this world. and No man, no woman can avoid the contours of this life. Nobody can foresee the meanderings of the river of life, friends, where it can take us into the boggy regions of the world. But yet, there is something to be said when we hold on to the chief joy, which is knowing that Christ is in me. To know that, friends, to have that sense of his presence. That is the joy of life. I've driven many times with my wife and we talked about it in times, deep times and the consolation and oh what a consolation it is. The peace and oh what a peace it is. The, the sense of well-being and oh what a sense that becomes friends. And yet outwardly nothing has changed. The circumstances are identical and sometimes they never change. Sometimes they are what they are. Relationships have fallen to the floor. Things have gone badly wrong, either by my making or theirs. It doesn't matter, they're gone. Sometimes they're gone forever, this side of eternity. But there is such an overcoming reality when we begin to understand the joy that He abides. Hallelujah. He abides in me. There is something to the Christian this morning, and I want to, I want to bring this to your attention, because you might be short on this road as, as a young believer. And your road might look good at the moment. But I want to tell you, friends, when calamity strikes, when the storms come, not if they come, when they come, there is someone who abides in you. Hallelujah. The presence of the Lord, the joy of His perspective. Amen. The joy of understanding that when I'm weak, then I'm strong. There's a joy in that becomes released in you as a Christian when you fully begin to embrace that truth. We see it in Acts 16. Acts 16 is the great story of the Philippi, the Philippi jailer. The Apostle Paul and Silas have been preaching the gospel. Mighty men of God, men of faith, men of intimacy with God. Paul was a, a phenomenal, phenomenal man of God. A man of intimacy, a man of knowledge, a man of experience. They end up being beaten and thrown in stocks into an inner jail, into a dungeon, friends. With the charge over the jailer to say, you look after these guys. You make sure they don't escape. You make sure they get double for this because there was such attack against the gospel in the early years. There's always been an attack against the gospel. And they're, they're in Philippi and, and they're in this, inner, in this inner place, in this inner darkness. Let me tell you, I don't, I don't believe for one second there was any light. I don't believe for one second there was internet or television screens for them. Or a little nice cubicle in the corner for them to use should they need the, the, the sense of desire to go. If they had to go, they had to go where they were. I don't think they were woken up for three meals a day or given an hour to walk the yard. I don't think for one second, friends, that it was uh, you know, non-porous floors so that there won't be any germs you know, that would affect them and we might have a lawsuit coming in against the prison system. I don't think for one second that the United Nations... Or the Red Cross were sending packages in there. You know, seeing how they're doing. Their human rights being observed. 
It was a bloody time. It was an awful time. It was a dungeon. It was a time when men gave no utility to their enemies, gave absolutely no quarter. And yet in the middle of this jail, you see these men and they are praising God. Hallelujah. They are not praising out of their intellect, friends. They are echoing a praise that is already in them from the Savior. They are echoing out the songs of deliverance from God himself. They are speaking the megalosis of God in tongues and spiritual singing and hymns, friends. They are learning that there is a joy that is deeper than the prison. Joy that is higher than a mountain, friends. Joy that is wider than an ocean. And that joy begins to well up in them. And should it well up in them, it should also well up in you and in I. Amen. Whatever prison you may find yourself, be it of your own making or someone else's, that even in the midst of your own failure, there can be a joy. There can be, and for most of us, that's the reality. They're in the prison for preaching the gospel. Sometimes we're entombed in our own failure and our own mistakes and our own obstinance and our own sin and our own rebellion and our own I couldn't care less attitude. And we find ourselves entombed and in stocks. But I want to tell you this morning, there is a way through that. And it is to rejoice in the Lord always, as he writes later on in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 is another scripture. We rejoice in the Lord always. Chapter 4, verse 4, I think. And again, I say rejoice. You know, in Philippians chapter 4, actually, in fact, there was two women in Philippians chapter 4 that the Christian women that had a fallout. We're not told what the fallout is. We're not told what the social issue was between them, but there were two, apparently two women of God. I can't remember their names, but you can go there later on. And there's a fallout there, and, and, and Paul is writing to, the, to this church, this Philippian church, and he tells them, this is the formula to your fallout. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Wow, really, Paul? Let me tell you, friends, when you start to praise when you start to worship God, you know, the word rejoice, it's just the word re is always for repeat. It's to duplicate. It's to have joy and have joy again. That's what rejoice means. The joy of the Lord is have joy and joy again. Start joying in the God of your salvation. Start echoing the spirit man that lives within you and we give, give praise to God. And it's amazing when we start to echo the spirit man who lives within us and begin to give an expression to our natural air ductings, friends, and begin to speak it out in faith. It's amazing. That spirit of God comes and sedates arguments. So all of a sudden it's like, what is the issue? What is the argument? Who can ever take away the joy of the Lord from me? She's not allowed to do it, and he can't do it, and they can't do it. The armies can't do it. The backslidden religious of Paul's time can't do it, friends. And so he learns something in the prison cell. I've been in the prison cell, and I know what it is to rejoice in the Lord. And I, don't, I know you've had a fallout. I know you've had tensions with someone in your life. There might be a neighbor. It might be some crazy boss that has it in for you. It might be the way you've been treated because of your race or your color. It might be the way that you're treating others because you've been hurt yourself. You're just so full of hurt yourself. You just pass it over onto other people. But I want to tell you, the Apostle Paul learned something in, the Philippine, in that Philippi jail. And he writes to the Philippine church. I'm going to tell you when you start to sing the joy of God, when you echo who's living in you, when you begin to give an expression and praise and lift up the name of Jesus, let me tell you, it's a strength. It's a fortress. It's a stronghold. 
That's where the righteous can come in and be saved, friends. And these women, godly women as they were, because there's nothing charged against them, they just had a fallout. He says, come on, girls, rejoice. Just as I was in that prison, you could break the prison bars of having enmity between each other by just coming in and rejoicing before the Lord. There's something, friends, happens when you praise there's something happens when you lift up holy hands. There's something happens when you don't learn the songs of God, but you let them come from the innermost being shall flow rivers of living water, friends. You echo the praises of God. You're just a sound chamber. You echo them. They come out of you because you belong to Him. The Spirit lives within you, and He wants to manifest Himself through you and bring supernatural life into you. The excellency of the power is God, you see, not of us. It's not true discipline. Oh, I'll just be nice to them. You can try to be nice all you want. You need a touch of God. You could try it. I'll have more for, the, for dinner. That would be a good way to repair the relationship. Try that one too. Come back and see how you got on. But let me tell you, as you begin to praise, as you begin to rejoice in the Lord, as you begin to sing the songs that God has put into your heart and give Him praise, there is a healing in the supernatural. There is something that lifts your spirit, friends. There's something that lifts you to a heavenly place. The joy is rooted in who God is, in his character. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him so that you may overflow with the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The cure for worry. The cure for the worries of your life is the joy of the Lord. It's the cure for all your worries. It's the cure for all your problems. As a Christian, it's the joy of the Lord. It's to be able to say at the darkest place as Paul and Silas were, they did nothing wrong. They could have sat there and said, this is terrible, Lord. We've dedicated our lives to you and this is the way we're treated. Forgotten, thrown in the prison, beaten first, lashed, beaten, left in there. Is this what I get for loving you? This is what I get for, oh no, friends. They went, when, the dead, when the enemy goes deep, they went high, friends, amen. And that's what God would say to you. I've put a song on you, even the hymn of praise. I've put a new song in your mouth, even the hymn of praise. I've put a new song in your heart, even the hymn of praise. And as you begin to praise and as you begin to worship me and as you begin to lift up holy hands and focus upon me, I will draw all men unto me. As you begin to express that love for him and you, you get to jettison all the ills that either you have committed or others around you or the woes that you see you in this world and the calamities that are breaking upon us from the climate change movements to the coronavirus to the economic woes of the world to the rumors of famines to the rumors of other lockdowns friends I want to tell you start to understand that the joy of the Lord is your strength <laughs> hallelujah in the midst of all that we have already gone to two years of this and let Israel say, God has been on our side. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. God has been with us. The joy of the Lord never left us. In actual fact, now we're out in restaurants. And we're no happier than what we were when we weren't. Because we had the joy of the Lord, friends. And it's a joy no man can take away. And it's a joy no man can have for you. It has to be your joy. 
Oh, if I forget the old Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its strength. If I do not make Jerusalem my chief joy. Of course, that's a character for God, for Christ, for the purposes of God, for the kingdom of God. And now the kingdom of God is neither here nor there, but the kingdom is within you. And I pray this morning that, you know what, when we come in here and we, and we, we do our best to lift your spirits as leaders, to get your focus on the Lord, to get you to stand and, and get out of yourself a little bit and get away from yourself a little bit, I would ask you this, make it easier for us. Amen? Because you as an individual have discovered the power of the joy of the Lord, the power of rejoicing in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice, because we're going to go back to worship in a moment, Nathan, if you have a song for us, you can come. But you know, friends, it has to come from not learning from Nathan or Patrick or Ham or Steve or anybody going there. It's a song that comes from deep within. And we all know what happened in that Philippian jail as they began to rejoice in the Lord. We all know what happened, friends, when they started to rejoice in the Lord always, when they started to push that joy button and repeat it again, when they said the joy is not the prison cell, the joy is not when I'm standing in the street corner and thousands are getting saved, the joy is not when I'm you know, on a sunny beach somewhere with my family, the joy is the Lord himself, the joy of knowing that I'm right with him because all these things can be taken from you. And I tell you, you can have all those things and have no joy. I want it, you can have it all and be joyless. You've met people who have, have all the said, all the above and more, and they are joyless, friends. And I have met men who are abased and of nothing and are sitting in cells after being beaten to a pulp, and they begin to sing the songs of Zion out of a joyful heart, out of the strength of God. I tell you, I, never, I, I don't know what hymn they sang. It must have been some sort of rock number because it quaked that place. It rocked that jail so much so that the foundations began to shake. Hallelujah. The foundations of that prison began to shake, friends. And we know the story. Their shackles fell off. And, you know, they are put in there, friends, not just to tell us of a physical miraculous miracle to Paul. These are eternal words to us. They're not just historical value. They're not just literal what happened to him. But it's also true what's the true in the physical. It's also true in the spiritual. Amen. I want to tell you, friends, that there was something that came into that place that was so overwhelming, so overpowering, that even the jailer himself came and fell down at their feet and said, what must I do to be saved? My God, as we begin to rejoice in the Lord. Some of you have come from other continents into an Irish world that the only time they can rejoice is when they have two or three beers in them or a couple of whiskeys. There's no joy other than and then when they get to five or six, they're violent. There's no joy in it. It's a mockery of the word joy. It's a mockery of the word peace. They spell it the same way for us because there's no joy outside of him. And I want to say unequivocally, wherever you're drinking from whatever way you're going to, there's no joy there. And you can down your pints tonight and you go with your friends, but tomorrow morning is waiting with the same feelings of what did I do last night? What did I say? The joyless life. And you're repeating your joylessness. Every weekend you're repeating your joylessness. But I want to say, Christian, for those of you who come from the different continents, that you had nothing. You didn't even have a shirt on your back, but you had the joy of the Lord. Some of you didn't even have a roof over your head, but you had the joy of the Lord. Some of you could barely get educated. You managed to a good neighbor that paid a fee to get you into school. But you had the joy of the Lord. 
And now you can have everything this world has and have no joy. But I was a Christian today. We are not talking about a joy. We are echoing it because he already lives within us. It's the joy of knowing that it's well with my soul. It's the joy of knowing I am actually forgiven. It's the joy of knowing I can't, and I don't want to prove it to you now because I don't have the faculty, but I am going to heaven because I just know it. The one you want to go through the philosophy and the scriptures with you, I haven't got time this morning, but I'm going to heaven. To know that I put my head in my bed tonight, my pillow tonight, and have a good conscience before God and men. To know that as I get old, that the joy of the Lord will still be my strength. I look down at some young men there, and you're much more stronger than I, much more abilities in you. But I want to tell you this, when it comes to the joy of the Lord, I can equal you. I can equal you. And you can equal me. Because it's not my joy, it's his joy. The joy of a good conscience. The joy of a pure outlook. The joy of a, of a life full of hope, friends. And an eternity that's spread out before us that this world could never even paint you a picture even close to it. Its best picture is just repeat Friday night, repeat Friday night, repeat Friday night with all the woes of it. But the songs of Zion come out of the heart of the redeemed because he lives within us. <laughs> uh, will you stand this morning? We're going to sing to the Lord and rejoice before him on this Reformation morning. We're going to reform some of the bad habits we've gotten into. Some of the bad habits is that we have looked away from who it is that lives within us. Amen. And we haven't discerned cleverly enough to hear his word and his cries coming from the very core of my being. Out of my innermost being shall flow rivers of living water, the Holy Spirit of God. Oh, hallelujah. Would you raise your hands to Jesus? Not because I'm asking. You don't have to. You don't want to, okay? But if you want to, friends, just get away from yourself for the last one or two minutes and say, I'm going to have a good old stretch. Lift my hands to God. Lift my voice to God. Worship Him regardless of what anyone else thinks. Who cares what they think, Daniel? Be honest, you're going to think what they're going to think. Who cares? I've got enough time worrying about what other people think. I'm kind of getting sick of myself worrying about what other people think. I actually get I actually get annoyed with myself about worrying about what other people think. It's so stupid, Nick. What are you worrying about them for? Bunch of backwardness in them. I could use other words. It wouldn't be too flattering. Oh Jesus, come on! He lives in you. His Holy Spirit is in you. He has redeemed you. He's loved you. He said, "I will never abandon you. You'll have trouble, but I've overcome the trouble." And I'm living in you. Let the joy of the Lord be your strength. That's all, friends, you need to have in this life is the joy of knowing he's near and not far. Praise God. Let's worship. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website. It's www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time.